You're listening to Rhetoric with Shakia, a lighthearted entertainment podcast focused on recaps, reviews, and reactions to reality TV shows, scripted series, movies, and so much more. I'm Shakia, your host, and P.S., I love to use my background in psychology whenever I can to help us discuss certain topics. Cheers to hanging out together and having a good time. Now let's get into it. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Shakia and welcome to Rhetoric with Shakia. I have been hosting this podcast for quite some time now. And if you are interested in joining the live audio version of this podcast, you can join me on Podbean. That's where I usually go live. But you know, I was like, I, I miss going live on, on the other channels. <laughs> and so here I am, and I'm super excited to talk about this documentary. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, are you familiar with this documentary? The Curious Case of Natalia Grace. I'm familiar with the story, right? Or I remember before the documentary, I heard the story. And immediately I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this woman was posing to be a child, was pretending to be a child. And and the, the way the stories were written and the media, you know, all these years now, I think most people thought she could have been an adult because that's, oh, sorry if you heard that loud behind noise. But um, most people, I think, believe she may have been, been an adult because of how the stories or, or because of the narrative. Oh, my goodness. So going into this documentary, it's a it was a three part uh, series and it spanned the course of six episodes um, on the ID channel, which I stopped watching the ID channel a long time ago. So it took me a minute to even watch this documentary because I was like, you know, on the ID channel, they always talking about people just dying and murder and all. Mm -mm. So I had to stop, but I came across a clip and I said, oh, wait, I need to check it out. So anyway, it spanned three days um, and it, for it, there was a total, excuse me, of six episodes. Um, and going into the documentary, I thought, okay, well, they're going to show all the evidence that this was a grown woman, that they adopted a grown woman. Okay. But I'm jumping ahead now, just in case you aren't familiar with this story with the Barnetts and Natalia, a few, some, uh, some years ago, um, back in 2010, the Barnetts Christine and Michael Barnett adopted a little girl. They adopted Natalia. And at the time, she was six years old. They had her birth certificate. She was born in, the U in Ukraine. And it said that she was born 2003. And so by the time they adopt her, she's now six years old. Well, according to the documentary, and most of, to be clear, if you haven't watched it yet, this is my, part of my issue with this particular um, series is that it's pretty biased, right? Most of the accounts come from Michael Barnett. They do have neighbors who live next door to Natalia, which helps to put some pieces together, 
or, you know, it helps us to form our opinion on whether or not we believe she was actually a child or an adult. However, when it when they talk about the family and what was going on during that time, it is heavily, heavily one sided. And oh, Michael, we're, we're going to get to him in a second. Mr. Barnett. It took so much patience to watch and listen to him on the screen. But anyway, I'm jumping ahead. So we go. Let's go back to 2010. The Barnetts adopt Natalia. Now, the one of the red flags was when they show up to get her from the adoption agency. It's a closed adoption. They were going to pick her up from the adoption agency. And they said, he, Michael says that this this didn't seem like an office where an adoption agency would be. It just seems very sketchy. And you had a lot of questions. And so he said, you know, it seems so odd that I said to Christine, well, let's call, you know, call, um, oh, let me change this photo, call the number and let's make sure that this is where we're supposed to be. Okay. So fast forward, they go in. He says this little girl runs up to them and says, mommy, daddy. It's, I don't know. It's odd because I imagine that even if it's a young child, even if they want to be adopted, they may be hesitant to initially refer to these two strangers as mommy and daddy. So I'm like, mm, I don't know about that. But nonetheless, this is his account that she runs up to them and she's saying mommy daddy and he said it just feels right and this was he said out of context this was one of the happiest days of his life okay all right <laughs> so then they get home and things start to unfold but let me back up as the documentary opens we hear him say there's a voiceover and he says if Natalia never entered their lives that he and his wife would have never gotten divorced. Now that's what he says at the start of the documentary. And that interview was filmed, I believe in 2019. Now when we fast forward to the end of this series and it's filmed in 2022, there are different accounts. He talks about how horrible she was, how abusive she was. And so I'm like, hmm, and you, at the beginning, you said you all would have still been together. Would you still have stayed then if you've never, if you never adopted Natalia? Just, there seems to be a disconnect for me. Also, you know, if you have any comments, if you watched, definitely let me know in the comments. Let me know what your thoughts were when it came to this particular documentary series. Okay, so we're going to jump ahead just a little bit. The first red flag for Christine and Michael. Um was that she was six years old and Michael said that she had um, pubic hair and he thought, well, this is odd. He says that Christine was giving her a bath and Christine says, oh my God, you have to come. You have to come here. Something is not right. And so he runs and he's like, what's going on? And he's like, well, is this normal? And so they say, well, you know, maybe this, maybe she has, you know, some sort of condition. Then there's red flag number two for them, where she apparently was getting her period. Now, again, she's six years old. She's getting her period and she was hiding it from them and she was hiding her underwear in her room. So they didn't know until Christine found the underwear. Red flag number three for them. 
They said her physical body was different and bigger compared to someone else who had the same exact condition that she had. Now, Natalia has this rare form of dwarfism. And um, when she, she was, so again, about six years old, and she met another little girl who was the same age and who had the same exact condition that she has. And they met through um, a doctor who was treating Natalia and said, oh, there's another little girl in the area who also has the same same condition. And so he connect the doctor connected the, both of the families together and then they have a play date. And so Michael uh, said, and I hope his name is Michael. <laughs> um, but he said um, he said that that she seemed much different and that her her face her her um features in her face seem to be more developed than the other little girls and he goes and natalia must have noticed that we notice because then she puffs up her face and tries to let the air out so that her her features aren't as defined she knew what she was doing and so i'm like okay even if they have the same condition that doesn't necessarily mean like everything about their body structures are going to be exactly the same i don't know i'm, I'm also not a doctor but I, that's the thought that came to my mind okay red flag number four. Oh, also let me back up so and if you see me looking down it's because i'm looking at my notes there was so much and i'm gonna do my best to talk about you know uh a lot of what i watched but there was a lot to it but the little girl that Natalia was hanging out with. So she, they talked to her and her mom now. And the, the mom says, well, yeah, she seemed more mature. Like she did seem like an adult. She didn't, she didn't seem like my child. Um, and so I thought that was interesting too. And the little girl said it, it, it feels weird to know that she may have been playing with an adult and not another six year old red flag number four they said natalia did not know anything about <laughs> about ukraine she couldn't speak the language when there was a neighbor next door to the charity that um that the barnett's had at the time and there was a neighbor who was next to that facility who i guess knew somebody in ukraine and was speaking the language and and Mr. Barnett says, oh, I bet Natalia would be so excited to hear her native language again. It's been so many years. But he said when this woman, when this neighbor started to speak to her, it's as if she knew nothing. She didn't know anything. And anytime they asked her about the 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 orphan orphanage. Oh, excuse me. Anytime they asked her about her time in Ukraine, she really wouldn't, she was really evasive. She wouldn't say much. And I'm thinking, well, if she was a child, maybe it was difficult for her to remember certain things or to talk about certain things. If she, you know, from the time she was born up until she was about five years old and she was living at the facility or, or living in an orphanage and then she gets adopted so before the barnett's adopted her another family adopts her which the barnett's learned who the family was by finding uh, an identification little card in her backpack 
They said they had they called the adoption agency multiple times to try and figure out who the family was who adopted her because they had so many questions and they wanted to know who she was. But because it was a closed adoption, um, he said that they wouldn't give them any information. However, somebody from the office called him back and said, I can't tell you who the family is, but sometimes families leave things behind. Check her stuff and go through every single part of it. And so they did and they found a card that had the other family's information on that card. Okay. Now... Like I said, I heard this story, bits and pieces of this story throughout the years, and I thought, oh wow, I cannot believe they adopted a child. The more I listened to the documentary, the more I watched, I vacillate between, is this a child or is this an adult? And hearing everything, and I know I'm jumping ahead, but hearing everything, it's number one, still confusing. <laughs> but also, I don't think, I don't think she was an adult. I don't think she was as old as they made her out to be. I think she may have been older than what was stated. And what they talk about in the documentary is that sometimes kids from other, especially other countries, their documents are, are um, what's the word I'm looking for, altered a little bit so that they can appear younger Um because they said more, more more people are inclined to adopt a younger child versus an older child. And so I do think perhaps that could be the case. So maybe she was a little bit older, but I don't know if she was a full grown adult. Okay, so they said that she had behavioral issues and that she was with them at this point. She was with them for four months and she would urinate and defecate all over the house. She would smear it on his youngest son, Ethan, who was about six years old at the time as well. And she would throw herself out of the car to make herself to appear to be a helpless little girl, he said. He said, because now he, according to him, he goes, well, she figured we were on to her. And so she do things to still seem like a helpless little girl. But he says she wasn't helpless. <laughs> she wasn't this little girl. Like he, he, oh, it just, it really was a lot to, to listen to him and to watch him. And we're going to talk a little bit more about him in a second. But anyway, so he also said that she was hiding knives under her bed and that according to a therapist, she was diagnosed as a sociopath. Now for me, this was the biggest red flag throughout this entire documentary I, because I'm like whoa what therapist now for those of you those of you who do not know I am a therapist and I said what therapist would diagnose a six-year-old as a sociopath number one that's not a diagnosis let's clear that up that's not in the DSM that's that's people use certain words to describe certain behaviors but that is not in the DSM and, and just in case you are not familiar this is the DSM this big old book Okay, that's not in the DSM. And so I said, well, what therapist diagnosed this six-year-old as a sociopath? And he was adamant. He said, you know, the, the, the therapist just confirmed everything that we said. And he said that the therapist told him and his wife that this little girl is dangerous and she cannot be left alone. She cannot have free range of the house. You cannot trust her. She's manipulative, all these things. And now 
they wouldn't diagnose a six-year-old as a sociopath because, again, that is not the diagnosis. However, for the types of behaviors that they are describing, they would diagnose a person with antisocial personality disorder. Again, though, they would not diagnose a child with antisocial personality, personality disorder. So for fun, just stick with me for a second. Here's some of the... The here's here's some of the criteria for antisocial personality personality disorder. A failure to conform to social norms, and I'm not going to go through all of them, but just stick with me. There's a reason why I'm going through this. A failure failure to conform to social norms with respect to lawful behaviors, um, deceitfulness, as indicated by repeated lying. Um, let's see, impulsivity. Uh, irritability, reckless regard for safety of self and others. Okay. And so then it goes on and on and on. So, all right, he's describing some of these behaviors that Natalia has, but again, Natalia is six and that is a key component. And well, but of course he's advocating that she's not six. Now also part of the criteria criteria for antisocial personality disorder is that the individual has to be at least 18 years old. And there has to be evidence of conduct disorder with onset before age 15. Before you would diagnose a person who's 18 years old or older with antisocial personality disorder, you would die. You would have, generally speaking, there's another diagnosis, which would be conduct disorder. Now, there's another one that often gets looped in, but I'm not going to go into that right now. But there would be, it would be conduct disorder. So it's like they jumped ahead and they said, no, 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 no. This is what she has. Now, if we want to talk about personality disorders and I'm not going to diagnose him, however, because I don't know him, and I didn't treat him. So this is a disclaimer. I'm not diagnosing Mr. Barnett. What I will say is there are there were certain behavioral patterns that he had that were consistent with personality disorders, if we want to have fun with it. <laughs> Again, I'm not diagnosing him, but um, he was, I'll just say this, he, at, throughout the documentary, he was very dramatic. Oh my heavens, very dramatic in the way he spoke and his gestures and all of that. I mean, it was just, it, it was a bit much. It was a, it was a bit much. Um, and I just thought that was interesting that he's talking about the personality, a person that Natalia had a personality disorder. And I'm wondering like, oh, I wonder what might be the case for him. But again, I'm not diagnosing him because I don't know him and I haven't treated him. Okay, so let's move on. Oh, he also said that Natalia tried to poison him and or I'm sorry, that Natalia tried to poison his wife, Christine. And with a with a cleaning solution by pouring it in her coffee because she said she wanted to kill her. Then we see there's a, vi a home video. They had a lot of home videos of her. And I wonder if they also had home videos of their other children. Because it started to feel as if they were creating a case against her. They formed this opinion and now they're creating a case against her. And so they were documenting all of these moments that normally may have been private moments. And I thought that was, that's interesting because are you so blinded by what you want to believe that now we're just seeking every single possibility that this might be true? I don't know. It, it seemed odd to me, to be honest. Okay. 
by the time we get to oh let me back up so there's what i started to say was there was a video of her reading the bible and they go like oh why are you reading the bible and she said or christine rather says why are you reading the bible and natalia says i'm trying to get rid of the evil thoughts okay all right oh okay <laughs> so we fast forward to episode two and she eventually ends up natalia eventually ends up in a state hospital and the father says oh we, we think that finally she's gonna get help um she's been lying and and all you know doing all these things and the workers at the state hospital said that she was sneaky she was manipulative she was lying fighting she was being inappropriate with the male patients now here is what well multiple things about their accounts bother me so much number one why are you talking to media about a patient or a former patient was still alive why are you talking about this patient's treatment and care and behavior to media that's number one um number two and more importantly which i guess should be number one is why was a child on the adult unit what why was a child on if if she was inpatient why was she on an adult unit that is beyond Oh my goodness, infuriating. When I heard that, I'm like, this is nothing that this man should be proud of, that he got her sent to the adult unit or that, you know, he wanted her placed so badly that she was on an adult unit, an impatient unit. And so then they said, well, she was being inappropriate with the male patients. And she would be talking about, oh, she wants a boyfriend and who's going to be her boyfriend? And she was flirting with the male patients. Now, imagine if this really was a child, right? Because their view is that she's an adult. But at the time, she was still the, not seen as this six-year-old. She was still seen as this six-year-old. And so imagine then this six-year-old is on an adult unit. Oh my gosh, I I was just disgusted by the Barnetts even further. So anyway, they eventually, um, I believe it was the the filmmakers and producers locate. Well, well, actually, I'm jumping ahead. So let me back up. The first family who adopted Natalia while she was when she was in the states, they locate her. I, I think their name ah the Sark the sarcones or something like that and here's i need us to like fully pay attention so what we can come to so that we can see this picture as fully as we can with the information we have because check this out and again we we've heard about natalia's behavior but listen to this the uh, the first family who adopted natalia were, they were trying to give her away. They took her to uh, the Little People's Convention and they tried to give her away. They tried to find another family for her. And one family, this woman, she was interested. She was interested in adopting Natalia, and but it didn't work out. The woman said, well, you know, it's about $25,000 to adopt a child from the Ukraine. And essentially she wanted payment in order for this woman to adopt this child. So eventually, and, and then she also reached out to another family and they were going to adopt her. They, they invited Christine and um, 
and Natalia back to, excuse me for a second. <clears throat> they invited N Natalia and Christine to their home and they were talking, getting to know each other. And they said that it, it seemed as if Natalia was being coached on what to say and how to say it. And then there was a moment where it, it felt like Natalia. They asked her about the orf orphanage and she said, well, it sucked. And they said that was the one moment that seemed like a genuine moment. And then she went back to the coached responses. They said, Christine said, oh, no, 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 it wasn't that bad. I'm sorry, not Christine. But the, the mom said, oh, no, 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 it's not that bad. How would you know, woman? You weren't there. And so they said something did not feel right. They wouldn't let they wouldn't uh, the mom would not let Natalia speak to the family by themselves. And they said something felt off and they did not move forward with the adoption. Now, fast forward, she ends up getting adopted by the Barnett's and they get a call and they said, look, you need to come pick her up now. If you don't pick her up now, she's going to go to foster care. So they said, oh, no, we're not going to let that happen. And they go and they get her. And I told you all what that experience was like at the start of this episode. So they go and they get her. And I'm just going to speed through the rest of the episodes at this point. I wanted to give you a little context and background with what was going on. Now, eventually, in 2014, I believe, they move her to, they move Natalia to an apartment complex. While at this apartment complex, now again, oh, but before, okay, so the way they were able to move her to the apartment complex is because, oh, so now I do have to back up. <laughs> I told you, it was so much. There, Christine, according to, according to Mr. Barnett, Mrs. Barnett, Christine, she wanted Natalia to be honest. And she says, tell me the truth. Tell me who you really are. Tell me who you lived with. And she, um, oh, wrong slide. Sorry. Let's see. Is this the slide? There, I'm looking for, there's a photo of the little girl and her punishment. So Christine wants to know who Natalia is, who she lived with. And she, Natalia, she said, I want you to write this down. So Natalia didn't. And the punishment was that Natalia had to keep her nose to the wall for the entire time. And at this point, oh, and there, there's Christine. She was not in the documentary. She declined. I wonder why, but we'll, we'll get to that in a second. I cannot find the photo that I'm looking for. So we'll go back to this one for now. So anyway, so as part of her punishment, Natalia's punishment, Christine says, you know what? No, you don't have a room here anymore. She gets Natalia. She gets her blankets and things. She puts her outside. That's where you're going to stay. So at this point, she's been out there for about three hours and Michael says he goes back in. I mean, he goes outside, he gets her and he brings her back to her room. Well, apparently a neighbor noticed what was going on and called the police because they're like, this is a neglect, something's going on. Now, according to Michael, a police officer comes to the house and Michael says, 
he realized very early that he wasn't there to protect Natalia from us. He was there to protect my boys from Natalia. And he's very dramatic with everything he says. Okay, because he really wants you to believe him. And it just comes, everything he says, it does not, not it, it, he doesn't, it doesn't sound genuine. It doesn't feel believable. It feels like a freaking performance. And you know what I kept thinking the entire time? Oh, sir, Mr. Barnett, here's your Emmy. Here's your Emmy, because that's what it felt like. Like you're, you're, you're playing into the camera, right? You, you want to be seen in a certain light and, and yet that's not it. That's not what's happening. So anyway, fast forward, the police officer says to him, well, you know, kids from who were adopted, who were adopted internationally, uh, sometimes their birth records were altered. And so you might need to look into this and get her re-aged. And Michael says, well, I didn't even know that was possible. I didn't know that was possible. He says the police officer gave him a card to an attorney. From there, Michael, they get a court date and the Barnett's get Natalia re-aged. The judge used some sort of formula, okay? He said, well, your bones stopped growing by the time you're 18 and her bones had already stopped growing when they got her. So we're going to add four more years. And the judge said, I think, I think he determined that she was 20, 22 or 23. When in reality, she would not have been anywhere near that. Right. But okay. So now legally Natalia at that point was 22 years old, 22, 23 years old. So what do they do? Well, the first thing they do the next day is take her to, to get an apartment and they move her into an apartment complex and she is there by herself. And they interviewed neighbors and the neighbors said, you know, she, it, it, they, she didn't get many visitors from her visits, excuse me, from her parents. The neighbors said she didn't look very clean. Her clothes were dirty. She would wear the same clothes over and over again. Her hair was matted and dirty and that there was this foul odor coming from her as if she had not bathed for quite some time. She wasn't taking care of herself because imagine if she really was this child who would, who would have been what, 10 years old at that point? Now the judge re-aged her to be 22 or 23, but in reality, it, it, let's say that ruling is incorrect. She would be about 10 years old at that point. And they moved her into an apartment complex by herself. A person who has disabilities. Like th there are things that, you know, should have been taken into consideration so that she could at least utilize the different you know, uh, amenities within the apartment. Maybe she wasn't washing her clothes, one, because maybe she didn't know how, but also because she couldn't reach the top of the machine. So eventually, oh, the neighbors also said that she would be, <laughs> y'all got to watch this. They said that she was annoying and that she would show up. She'd show up and she'd sit in front of their door waiting for them to get home if they left their door unlocked, she would just come in. She'd go to the refrigerator, look for some food. They said she was always hungry. Now, here is where it also is a bit, uh, it gets even more interesting, but just in a disturbing way. 
she was also again inappropriate around men and boys and she would they said like cozy up to some of the younger kids um she'd play with them but then it would seem to be a little inappropriate and so it got to a point because of certain incidents that happened where the neighbors did not allow her to be around their children it got so bad that at, you know at one point she apparently allegedly went inside of the house and was like going to one of the boys rooms and he was I think he was under the age of 10. And at that point, everybody in the complex said, okay, we need to lock our doors. And they started sharing this information. There were several complaints made about her to the management's office, but initially they said there was nothing they could do. However, when it was time to renew her lease, they did not renew her lease because she had over three complaints and then she had to find somewhere else to live. So Christine found her another place to live in a different city. And they described this city as being unsafe and, you know, just a terrible idea for number one, a child to be living alone, obviously, but somebody also who has um, certain, certain physical limitations, they moved her to a second floor apartment and the way the stair, the stairs were, um situated it was hard for her to navigate them properly because her 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 like the way her legs and her feet she are 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 structured she has a difficult time walking you know, a different she has a difficult time walking sometimes um she also at that point did not have a phone they took the phone away from her and before that even when she was at the other apartment complex they took her phone and wiped her phone when a neighbor reported like hey something seems off i don't really know what's going on because even the neighbors were going back and forth on whether or not this was an adult or a child they said that there were moments where she seemed very mature and she would be inappropriate especially with men they said there was a moment where she was in the laundry room and um essentially like propositioned an older guy and he was like get away from me now because of her language and behaviors around men, that led a lot of people to believe that she must have been an adult. But I want to look at it look at it a little differently. What if it wasn't that she was an adult, but what if she was a child who had been victimized, who had been abused? Again, she was in an orphan orphanage up until she was five, and then she moved with this family for only about a year, right? Let's keep in mind, they paid $25,000 to adopt her and they only kept her for a year. And the Barnett said it was because her behavior was so terrible because they just couldn't handle it. But I question, could it have been something else? Was something going on with Natalia? Was somebody being inappropriate with her? And then what about what was going on in, in the Barnett's household? Michael, he, it, it, the way he speaks, it's as if there was nothing going on when in reality, when in reality, um, I think prior to Natalia coming to stay with them, according to the documentary, there had been uh, accounts of domestic violence between he and Christine. And there's a recording that we hear as the viewer where Christine is saying, hey, don't act, I'm paraphrasing here, don't act all innocent. You know, you've gotten, you, you've been cited for domestic violence. And it was you who, like, you were the aggressor. 
We don't hear him deny it. So I wonder what could have been going on in the household. Michael, toward the end of the series, Michael says that Christine, and I'm jumping way ahead at this point because there was just so much in between. So, but but I will share this because this part is important. So after not after her her lease wasn't renewed at the first apartment complex, Christine drops her off in the sketchy town, the sketchy city. Um, it was right next. So according to Michael, he's like, well, she was centrally located. It was next to all of these things. But how could she utilize them? She didn't have a phone. She didn't have money. They weren't really dropping food off for her. How was she supposed to even manage? So anyway, she gets signed up for some sort of education program. Because I was also run wondering about that. And they didn't talk enough about that component, her education but she gets enrolled in, in this education program and but she goes missing. And so they don't hear from her because eventually they do return her phone, but they don't hear anything from her. Oh, the so when she was at the other apartment complex, when the neighbor called her, their old CPS worker was the person who was contacted and came and did the investigation and Michael, it, it seems from the documentary, he did not like that Natalia had contact with this woman. And we, again, he goes in and he's in the apartment questioning Natalia. How do we know this? Because he's filming it and he wipes all of Natalia's contacts from her phone. Now, why do that? If she is an adult that you, you claim she's an adult, then why wouldn't she be allowed to speak to this woman? Because there were... He, I think he was afraid that there were going to be new allegations or she would be more truthful about all the stuff that was going on. And he's like, well, what do you all talk about? Well, what does she ask? How often do you speak with her? Different things like that. So anyway, then when he they move her to this other apartment, again, they took away her phone. They didn't want her to have contact with the old neighbors who she who also was trying to check in on her. Like, hey, are you OK? Because now she had moved away. So they enjoyed that there were that there was distance, but nobody could get in contact with her. She goes missing. He, Michael calls the learning center because they contacted him and said, hey, she hasn't been here. Where, do you have her? Like, do you know where she is? And he's like, no. A few days later, he says he gets a call from the from the learning center and the woman on the phone says, oh, don't worry about it. She's back. So then he does pop up and, and he pops up to Natalia and he's like, hey, where have you been? Oh, I'm with my friend. So she met this woman and in the matter of few days that she met her, the woman moved her in to her home with her family. They like use Natalia's um ebt's uh food food stamp card to buy uh, to buy groceries they said that she wasn't eating and she just wasn't being properly cared for so and i believe up until 2019 natalia was still living with this particular family okay so eventually charges are filed and charges are filed against christine and michael for neglect and they're like, no, we we didn't neglect her because she's an adult. We got her re-aged. <laughs> what? Charges are filed. Um, and it it wasn't neglect against a minor. 
it was neglect, I believe, against a person who, I don't know the exact wording, but neglect against the person um, with uh, a disability, something like that. And so, okay, <sighs> it, it's just so much. <laughs> but um, the woman who took Natalia in, that her name is Cynthia. And I believe it was Cynthia who contacted the police department like something is not right. Something is not right here. And so then they open up an investigation. Now we can hear a recording between Michael and the detective. And the, de the detective says, be straight with me. What's going on? Do you really think she's a child or an adult? And Michael is like, you know, um, he says, he, he says something to the effect of that. He thinks at that point, and this was, I think in 2019, that she was around 20 something, but that doesn't make sense because when they got her re-aged in 2014, the judge said she was about 22 or 23, but in 2019, he's saying, oh, well, at this point, he thinks that she's about 20 something. So then that means you knew you left a child in a home or in an apartment by herself. Okay. They get charged. They have separate trials because at this point, Christine and Michael are no longer married. They get a divorce. And now, oh, let me tell you, if throwing a person under a bus had an image, look at the screen because this is the image. This is the face of a person who will throw you under the bus. But they get charged and they have separate trials. And at this point, he says that he and Christine are not on good terms whatsoever. Um, he says that he and Christine are not on good terms at all. Um, that he that Christine turned their children against him. He just reconnected with one of his sons, Jacob, and Jacob is also in the documentary. Jacob also lets us know that his mom told him, his mom told him, and this is when he thought he was off camera, but his mic was still on. He said his, because Natalia would urinate all over the house and all over his things, that his mom told him, well, a therapist told me you could do this. This would be therapeutic. You urinate on her stuff. And so he did. And he had a lot of shame about that now. And he said, you know, he would want her to know that he is sorry for doing that. Now, Michael says that they were all abused in the house. He says they were all abused and they were all abused by Christine. And he says that he alludes to Christine perhaps coaching Natalia to say certain things. So then it becomes a question of did Natalia actually do these things or was it Christine telling her to say that she did these things? Because and imagine if she really was this small child, she's being told to say something and to say these things about herself. You know, you get what I'm saying? Imagine if that's what was happening. If, if Christine was coaching Natalia. Now, check this out. He says that Natalia, I'm sorry, that Christine beat Natalia so bad. And this is the demonstration of that. He says that she beat her so bad. And this is him demonstrating how he watched Christine punch Natalia over and over and over again. And so I want to know, 
Well, what did you do? What, did you try and stop it? Did you try and intervene? Because this was a child in your care. Would you allow her to physically abuse your biological sons? Because I don't care how old Natalia is. Did you, at any point, did you say, hey, this is not okay? I didn't hear that in the documentary. I didn't hear that. And imagine if it, the way Michael screamed that they were all being abused by Christine, then I'm wondering why is it a surprise if this little girl had a knife in her under her bed? Maybe she was trying to protect herself. And again, we still don't know what happened to Natalia before she arrived at the Barnett's home. But maybe she wanted to, she was threatening to kill Christine. Maybe she was threatening Christine because of the things Christine was doing to her, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Could that be the case? So perhaps it wasn't that she was a psychopath or a sociopath. Perhaps she was in fear, living in fear. And perhaps some of the behaviors that they noticed with her urinating and defecating, perhaps those were symptoms of or signs of a trauma that had occurred. I don't know. I don't know her. I'm just speculating. But I do know working with people who have trauma histories, you would be surprised on how that can manifest. And so I wouldn't be surprised if there was something that did happen to her whether it was in the Barnett's home or otherwise. And so I'm just curious. Again, going into this, I thought this was an adult. I thought she was an adult. Listening and listening even to her behavior, I'm like, I don't think that was an adult. I believe she was a child at the time that they adopted her. I do think she may have been a little bit older. She may have not been as young as they said, However, I do not believe she was an adult at that time. I just don't. The way that they describe her behavior, I wonder if there was something that happened, if there was some sort of trauma that occurred. And again, if Michael is describing that they were all being abused, well, I can't, I, Maybe this little girl was trying to, maybe this little girl, maybe this child was trying to protect herself. Maybe she was the one who needed protection because then Michael says, you know, he was going based off of what Christine was telling him. What? Okay. Let me, let me also talk about, I think there are one or two more instances that I want to get into, and then we're going to jump into the court case. 2019, they start off. And so if you are watching this podcast, and you see this image on the screen over here. This is from the interview in 2019. He, he recalls a story, Michael, <clears throat> recalls a story about the family going off to a farm because it was one of, the, one of his son's birthdays and they hadn't done much as a family since Natalia had arrived because it was just so chaotic and dysfunctional. They said, you know what? We're going to go. And, and do what this particular son wanted to do. He wanted to go hang out with some cows. So they went to this farm. The, at the farm, there's an electric fence. And they say, you know, like, stay away from the electric fence. Electric fence. You had to sign a waiver. And Michael says, oh, you could see her face light up. And so he says that, um, that Christine and Natalia stayed behind and that he and his boys 
they go off and they start hiking. Now in 20, this is his version in 2019. Then he, but he says he hears this, you know, screaming and he turns around and he could see Natalia pulling on Christine. And it was as if she wanted to pull her into the electric fence. And he heard her saying, I'm going to kill you, you B-I-T-C-H. And he says he starts to turn around and go back toward, toward Christine and Natalia. However, Christine says to him, no, 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 no. She won't ruin this for us. Y'all keep going. So he says they turn around and they do. Now, in his interview in 2022, that's not the same account. He says, oh, I didn't hear. We were already further up. And by the time we came back down, the police were already like they were there, but wrapping up. And so the only person I spoke to was my wife. I didn't speak to anybody else, but that wasn't the account he originally gave us. And so, again, these are things that make you go, hmm, can we trust him? Is he reliable with his storytelling? Can we trust him? And I don't, I don't, I don't fully trust him. It, he just seems very dramatic. If you are, again, watching the podcast and you can see the photos on the screen, there is th these photos. And when I watched it, homeboy was literally forcing those tears out. I mean, really, like, like literally, you know, when kids make that face like, I want to cry and I want, I want to cry because I want you to see that I'm crying. That's what it, <laughs> that's what it seemed like with him. Really forcing those tears and he was just so dramatic just extremely dramatic anyway not very likable and that comes back up so if we fast forward to this court case they are not the judge says that they cannot mention natalia's age that this is not a case about an age because she was already re-aged and so that's not what they were there for so the prosecution, they could not discuss the fact that he left a child at an apartment by herself. They had to come from the angle that, nope, she's an adult. And the jurors could not take into consideration that there may be a discrepancy with her age. They That was not part of the information. So they went in and the four, the, the, uh, four person, she said that, when they went in, they immediately thought he was guilty and he was not likable. But because they had to go based off of what was allowed, they found him not guilty. And when Michael gets the verdict, he says, oh, it only took them an hour. They had that information and they just knew that I was innocent, that I wasn't guilty. That no, sir. They didn't they they didn't think you were innocent. They wanted to find you guilty, but unfortunately, they were not able to. And so I just thought that was funny. Also, I looked up well, what happened with Christine. She had a court date um, sometime in 2023, and she the charges against her were dismissed because the prosecutor said that there was not enough evidence. I'm like, this is insane. And then, you know, after the verdict is read, Michael says to the camera, well, he's talking, he goes, you know, there's this thing called double jeopardy. And so, um, something that, you know, like, it, or I'm sorry, I don't think it was Michael, but somebody brought it up about him not being charged again, uh, because they want him to testify 
in Christine's case. Um, so at this time, this was before Christine's case, and they wanted him to now testify against her. And they were no longer married, and he already went to trial. So went to to trial. So there was no um, fear of him incriminating himself because he was already charged and found not guilty of that charge. And so he brings that up, and I thought, oh, that's interesting, because <laughs> I wonder what he would have said. He wanted to go to trial. He wanted to speak ill of Christine. He wants the truth to be out about Christine. But I'm still waiting for the truth to be out about you. I, I'm waiting to hear Natalia's version of what happened. Um, okay, so then at the end, because it got real. So I'm going to need, if you didn't watch this, I'm, I need you to watch this. At the end, there is somebody, a producer gives Michael his um, laptop, a laptop. And Michael says, who's it? Who is, who's is this? Who, who's, who's the laptop is this? And you can hear off camera. He goes, this is mine. He goes, do you want to back in one piece? How many pieces do you want to back in? How many pieces do you want to back in? <laughs> and the guy's like, uh, one. And because they say, well, this guy who Christine, because also Christine was cheating on him. It was so much stuff. I just trashy, but it, it was just, excuse me. It was a lot happening. And um, Christine was cheating on him. Christine was sending, um, according to, to the documentary, Christine was sending these uh, explicit texts and, and messages and, and um, photos to other people. And this person whose name I'm blanking on right now, but he said that at one point, Christine, I think, said, oh, Natalia is an adult. Like, do you want to date her or something? And a guy was like, no, isn't that your daughter? This is weird. Like, what's happening? But then the guy alluded to, and then they cut it off, that um, the guy says, oh, well, Christine did tell me that Natalia said something about the husband. But they cut it off so we don't hear. But Michael gets extremely upset. He says, I'm not listening to this. I'm not listening to this. And Michael was also excited during the trial. He's During the trial, he said, oh, you know, I was glad to hear that Natalia mentioned Christine. And it was just like, oh, well, Michael was just over there. But not that Michael did something to, Chris, to, to, to Natalia. And I thought, but dude, if you're the adult and something is happening and you're not stepping in, stepping in uh, uh, there's an element of blame on your part of responsibility on your end so no you're not your hands are not completely clean your hands are not clean and I think that's what he believes that his hands are clean your hands are not clean allegedly 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 what did you think of this particular series if you did watch it what do you think if you just heard the recap I didn't include every single thing because um there were a few details that I did leave out what I would like to focus on though is this idea that N Natalia this question rather of whether or not Natalia is an adult or a child I know that she was re-aged legally but after watching the documentary oh and we see her birth mother they track down her birth mother. The birth mother shows uh, the original birth certificate. She does a DNA test. She is, in fact, Natalia's mother. She says that Natalia was born in 2003. Um, and Michael says, well, I wasn't there. I didn't see this happen. I don't know if they could, you know, I, I wasn't there when, when they did the DNA test. 
Oh, okay. So what are your thoughts about this particular uh, documentary, The Curious Case of Natalia Grace? Again, you can watch it on the ID channel. You can also watch it on Max, which I don't like that name. It's so ridiculous. But anyway, you can watch it on Max. You can stream all of the episodes there. I am just really curious to know what your thoughts are. And I am also curious. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just curious to hear what your thoughts are. Do you think Natalia is an adult or a child? If you enjoyed this episode and you might be interested in similar episodes, then I do want to encourage you to head on over to my podcast. You can listen to it wherever you listen to your podcast, um, but you can head on over to rhetoricwithshakia.podbean.com, subscribe to the podcast, follow us, because that way when I go live and it's just audio, you can actually call in, you can join in on the conversation. So um, for those of you who are watching, you can see it scroll across your screen right now, rhetoricwithshakia.podbean.com. Also, if you are interested in any digital self-care products, listen, we just talked about a lot of stuff, right? Life gets a little heavy sometimes. I do want you to head on over to payhip.com forward slash aligned and free where you can pick up your own digital self-care product. We have calming coloring books. We have affirmations that you can put on your phone as your phone wallpaper so you can get your daily dose of inspiration. All right. And a number of other products as well and more to come. And again, if you are interested in following the podcast, then go on and head on over to rhetoricwithshakia.podbean.com. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I hope you come on back for the next one. I'm so glad you're here. But until then, bye for now and have a great weekend.